Hello, this podcast is sponsored by Now Alchemy. Now Alchemy is an amazing company that has formulated the most powerful substance in our body that was taken way back in the Egyptian era known as the food of the gods. Not only does it bring in balance, happiness, and increase your intuition, it decalcifies your pineal gland, which opens up your third eye and increases your light body, allowing your consciousness and your awareness to be open and aware of everything that is going on. The high-level mineral source, which we need today on our planet, is so important. With the fact that the earth itself has been overturned so many times with all of the farming industries, that we do not have access to the rich ormus that is available in this planet. And thanks to now alchemy, we do. We now have the sustenance that our body needs that is brought in from the Himalayan mountains and the Dead Sea. Ormus, which is powerful energy source that moves through your body and brings together a whole synthesis of information to every part of your body. By bringing this mineral source, you are nourishing your body at a cellular level. I love the company for what it stands for and its ethics. And it has been a sponsor of Ancient Wisdom Today podcast since the beginning. And that's why I always ask the tribe to support the sponsors who are sponsoring this show because I go through each of the sponsors with strong ethics and integrity to make sure that whatever they are bringing forth is in align to the planet and into you and for all of us so that we can grow and have health and wellness in our lives. Ormus's company spends a lot of time with advanced scientists, naturopaths, and doctors and herbalists to formulate a sourcing technique that brings in the highest quality of organic ingredients from the most mysterious and desolate countries in order to bring the magic in the bottle, which is Ormus. Now Alchemy is not just for health and wellness community, but for all people seeking to become their greatest version of themselves. And I've been taking this product for many months, and it has been such an addition to my shamanic love that I bring to the world. And how I bring love into the lives of people is by keeping myself healthy and happy and lifted and shifted. By bringing the highest source of minerals in my body, I am able to hold a high vibration of energy and light when doing healing work or when I'm speaking to large groups of people and when I'm here lit and doing Ancient Wisdom Today podcasts. So I invite you to experience the amazingness of Ormus. They have so many powerful selections that you can choose from, from 24 karat gold Ormus to Shilajit to nano-enhanced CBD to Elysium, each bringing a different blend of energy to your body. And I honestly say that this company is really changing the lives of people. Ever since I've mentioned them and shared them with all of the people in the tribe, I've been getting letters and letters of people's lives that have been changing. And not to mention the fact that those who have had suffered so many times from PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, confusion, fog brain, and all of these other symptoms that have been plaguing us because of the onslaught of aggressive energies on our planet, by taking Ormus, these things are cleared, neutralized, and allowing you to have more balance and groundedness in who you are, as well as enhancing your mind so that you're able to think clearly and have a stronger focus. You can get Ormus by contacting www.n.com 
www.nowalchemy.com. That's www.nowalchemy.com. And if you use the code SHAMAN, you'll get 11% off every purchase you make. I'm so happy, tribe, that we are putting beautiful things in our body because putting beautiful things in our body is putting beautiful things in our mind and our spirit. And that allows us to shine and radiate our truth in this world as leaders. I love you. Enjoy the share. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a third-generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator, and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hello, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And I'm so happy you're here for the share. What I'm really happy about is that you made the journey to planet Earth, that you chose to be here and choose your parents in your geographical location of birth and your choice to be male or female. And to be here at this time is a really powerful time of transition on planet Earth. And your choice to be alive here instead of being home in the light, in heaven, I have to say is a very honorable choice. Not a lot of spirits come to Earth. Some spirits choose to go to other places in the galaxy or throughout the universe. However, you chose to come to Earth because you knew that whatever Earth presented you with, that you would be triumphant. And I'm here to strengthen that reserve, to strengthen that power inside of you, to fortify it, to make it so strong that there are no leaks and there are no holes in your fortress of power, that you have your kingdom and your palace is set to be able to handle everything that is thrown at you. There is so much power in you that has this beautiful light that is atomic, that has no way to be taken apart or destroyed. It can only be overcasted with darkness. It can't be destroyed. And that light that light, no matter how much darkness has gotten inside through your mind or your emotions because of certain things that have happened to you from people who've carried that darkness over from things that happened to them and vice versa, that light is so strong and so powerful. And all we have to do is speak into that light, the truth, the truth of love. The truth that you're amazing and powerful and smart and brilliant and that you can do anything and that you can defy anything that science throws at you because you are not just of this planet. You come from a, a star region, a place, a light nebulous, a place where light only exists and love only exists. And in that place, possibility 
only exist and not just one possibility but quantum levels of possibility beyond anything that the third finite mind the part of the brain that has been created by the elemental spirits and matter on this planet uh, can even bring into its data operating system that you would have to be able to step into the supernova energy that beautiful translucent vibrating energy field that holds the higher amounts of energy that your brain utilizes to give you new insights and new understandings of this wonderful beautiful plateau of universal consciousness that exists with its endless dimensions and infinite space and amazing levels of transverse dimensions and interdimensions and you know all of these spark realities that exist there is this amazing energy inside of you that is asking you to to see it to shine your light on it, to acknowledge it, to give rise to it, to say, you know, I know in the past that I have said things to myself that was incorrect, that was false, that was out of sort with the truth of who I am. And I take responsibility, meaning I show up with love for that which I have said and done to myself doesn't matter what you have done to yourself. It can be redeemed by you. It is not redeemed by this creator that everyone thinks is outside of them that is waiting for your approval and um, that is waiting for, to give, for it to give you approval and validation that you are a quote-unquote good person. No. You see, that, that, that ignorance and that level of blasphemy against God is so unfair and so unjust. And the reason why I'll tell you that is I studied world religion and being a shaman, you know, it gave me great insight. And when I say study it, I don't mean like I just read it in a book. That means that I stepped away from shamanism and fully dived in as a full believer in Christianity, in the Torah, in the Kabbalah, in the Quran, and understanding their culture and really understanding Buddhism and chanting with the Gahanzin and Namahora and Gekio and getting very in touch with, you know, Durga and Lakshmi and all of these things, all of these, and getting deep into paganism and getting deep into all of these different realities and philosophies, not from the sense of let me just read a book and know about it but literally god asked me inside to abandon my post that i hold here for shamanism and step into it completely as if i'm turning my back on shamanism and walking into the church and telling my pastor brodor that I'm fully here to be reborn again. I want to know everything. I want to dive into every deep crevice and understanding of religion on every level and become a devout Christian and, you know, and evangelize in the streets to homeless people and to drug addicts and to, you know, and to, to go to church and to share and to sing and to, you know, fall on the floor and, 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 and speak in, in, in tongues and do all of these things, you see. 
I wanted to understand these things. I was the guy who turned his back and took a, a, a an eight-month sabbatical into Hare Krishna and started passing out books on the street in San Francisco, the Bhagavad Gita, and getting deep into you know the, the eternal Godhead and understanding Krishna and learning the, the teachings and all of these things, you see, because the reason why I went down all of those beautiful different roads and, you know, was not so that I can debunk religion or say that chanting with your Gohans in Namahora and Gekyo is, is, is not okay. No, I'm not here to, to say that these things are not okay. What I am here to say is if it makes you a loving, nurturing, kind, generous, non-judgmental, unconditional, loving, supportive, open, free, playful like a child, wild and exuberant in your ideas to create new innovations for your brothers and sisters, where you're not afraid of the darkness, where you embrace the dark with love and conversation and engagement. When there is opposite, you do not react against that opposite polarity with anger, hate, or disgust, or non-understanding or fear of the unknown, but you embrace it, you love it, you nurture it with conversation and engagement and openness with love. You may not even have to believe in everything, but you love, and you love well, and you love good, and you love with fervor in your being. You see, that is what I learned from all of my tutelage and study in all the many different ways of thinking spiritually. And, and what it has given me is to be this well-rounded shaman who is not afraid to engage with different people. I, 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 I bring loving service to Christians, to Muslims, to Buddhists, to you know, people from all walks of life, to pagans, to, to atheist people. Because I understand where they're at. I understand where they're, what they're operating from. I'm not here to cast judgment upon him, them. But what I am here to do is bring down the hammer of realness. And that's what I ask of you, tribe, is for you to bring the hammer of the lit hammer of realness into every situation. The moment someone goes into any kind of conversation with you and love is not present. And I'm not saying love in the sense, oh, I love you, but unconditional love, easiness, grace. What is ease and grace? Well, I'll tell you. I can assure you that ease and grace is not the thing that we have been taught on planet Earth. <laughs> People come to this planet and immediately... They come here as a child, free and playful, and then you start noticing that your guardians and your, your parents and your authority figures begin to start bringing rules to the table, rules of things that you can and cannot do, and if you don't do it the way they tell you to, you get in trouble, you get punished, you get spanked, you get silenced, you get reprimanded for being free for being a child, for being curious, for being an adventurous, 
for being a, an explorer of reality. And so what happens in that is you begin to shape your behavior, your personality to fit into the idea of what it means to obey those rules and not get spanked and not get in trouble and not be reprimanded for being an explorer, for being an adventurous, for being free. And you think, this is what I have to do in order to be loved, in order to be liked, in order to be heard, in order to be seen, in order to have value. So you enter the playing board of life and you're taught that life is hard and if you want something, you have to work hard for it. And that everything has to be difficult. Even the school system makes it difficult. You go to school all day long only to be given homework to go home with so that you could have more stress. And then you have parents that want you to do this homework before you can play. How unfair. You should play all the time, every time. And then you are told that you have all these rules and things that you have to do, such as clean and pick up the ground and do chores and all of these things. And it's given to you like a, like a structure, like a rule that you have to do. And if not, there's consequences instead of it being a part of a teaching and understanding of how to maintain and adapt the tribe. So you do it anyway because you don't want to get yelled at or you don't want to get grounded or you want something to be taken away from you. And you do it. You don't want to do it, but you do it. <laughs> and it's not given to you as a teaching that this is how we thrive as a tribe. We all have to bring our part in and it's not just you doing it. We're both doing it in our own ways. And this is how we keep the tribe going. Some of us have to go fish and hunt. Some of us have to weave baskets. Some of us has to make the clay to build the homes. And some of us has to go out and bring wisdoms from the spirit to share with the tribe. And some of us have to learn how to protect the tribe by having a stronger keen sense so that we can protect the tribe from, from energies or people or things that would come in and thwart our course of survival and adaptation and evolution. So, you know, things haven't changed much from then to now. It's just that People have forgotten their roles within the tribe. What, what is their most strongest, most definite, most defined role that they play in the tribe? Are they the ones who seek beyond the veil to bring information beyond through the unknown? Are they the healers of the tribe? Are they the teachers? They are the illuminators. Are they the ones who, who bring resource, that they are the resource ones that go out and bring resource to keep the, the tribe thriving? Are they the protectors? Are they the ones who can see when someone's energy is being overtaken or that they're draining themselves or people that are coming in are aggressive and they should be removed? Or are they the ones who can see where the, the problems lie and how to overcome them? Are they the strategists of the tribe? Are they the ones that know what directions to take to make more advancement for the tribe, to take the tribe up levels in evolution? Are they the the ones who commune with the ancestors to teach the tribes the things that they cannot see, that the, that the ancestors would like for them to see and choose in their life so that their path can become easy. Who are you in the tribe? What do you do in the tribe? Your family tribe, your friend tribe, or the world tribe? 
You see, there are all these different pockets of tribes all over, but in truth, they're all one big tribe. And the more and more we understand that who we are in the tribe, the more we understand who we are in the nature of our being within the tribe. Like I know for myself that I play different roles in the tribe. I am the one who seeks beyond the veil to bring back information for the tribe to thrive. I'm here to, 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 to bring nourishment for your spirit, to, to give you understanding of what's going on outside of the circle or the ring of consciousness that was, per, that was created for you to maintain your life. I am the one who steps outside of that, that, that circle, that line, and goes into the dark unknown and seeks with my lantern of consciousness that is open and receptive without judgment that can use that lantern very much like you know the stairway to heaven where he's holding the wizard is holding the lantern i'm that guy i'm that wizard who's holding that lantern that lantern represents the light that i'm willing to shine in the darkness to see what's in the darkness so that i can bring that beautiful fruits and 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 sustenance and medicine back to the tribe i'm also the one who's able to see the path of different people within the tribe and to see the, the nature of each of those people in their realness of their core of who they are and what they represent in the tribe and how they can best support the tribe and support themselves to be illuminate beings of living consciousness that is operating from this from this 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 wellspring that is already inside of them that knows exactly what it's supposed to do in order to maintain and adapt and bring new things to the tribe and to themselves to be successful and to to raise the vibration of evolution for all concerned. I also have the ability to see what things they should not do to lead them out of harm's way. So I have that harbinger inside of me. I have a harbinger spirit inside of me because of my other lifetimes when I was the Oracle of Delphi. I was known as Pythia. I was a priestess in the Temple of Delphi taken from my parents um, as a virgin child and, 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 and raised to be the Oracle of Delphi. So I am known as the Pythia and it's still a part of me, very strong. I can see the direction of people's choices and how they will play itself out, what types of directions they can make and all the quantum levels of choices that's available to them. Much like if you would go see, uh, a tarot reader and they would throw tarot cards down and then you would see okay this is what's happening so i would say okay this is what's happening is according to how you're living your life right now and thinking and operating and acting in that life however if you make this choice and if you go to this place and if you do this thing and you eat this food and you do that this will be your life so i can see all of the different layers all the different layers that the fates have available to you to 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 touch to touch right so that the string that the fates have created isn't just one string of your destiny there are multiple dimensions of your destiny that exist and i have access to look into the quantum sphere and see all the many different choices you can make to be able to step into that that destiny line
right? A lot of times people think it's destino, it's the one destiny, but I'm telling you because I was the Oracle of Delphi and I was Pythia and I spent my whole life with people coming and giving them information. You know, some of it was a bit cryptic and riddle based and some of it was just completely direct and telling them. And I never held back about, you know, what was good or bad. I never looked at it in that way because I was never educated by the world. So spirit was the one that was educating like I am in this life. I left school when I was seventh grade. My father actually paid the principal and built a bigger drama department and, you know, to be able to get me a, a diploma, which I thought was quite funny and, and, and hilarious that he spent all that money to, to, to get me a diploma because he thought he was going to keep me in that institution. I did everything I could to get out of that institution. And I'm not saying that um, all children should be out of that institution. Some kids enjoy being in school and learning and being in that way. The thing is we have to create a well-roundedness in them so they don't get so caught up in the system that they think that's the only way of thinking. You have to open up art. You have to open up music. You have to open up play. You have to open up other avenues for them. But there's some kids who actually go to school and they'll come home and tell you it's prison. That's because they're not meant to be there. So you have to create a different program for them. You can choose to, or you don't have to, and then you're actually causing difficulty in their life. And it will affect them because they're telling you that their knowledge and their information isn't coming in this, this type of institution. I think it's funny how we on planet Earth think that everyone should be a part of that institution in order to be a viable human being on Earth who's thriving and can have a life or a destiny. That's not how destiny works. You know, I know people who don't need to go to school, who just need to spend time in nature and need to spend time with philosophers and people as a, such as myself to be able to bring education and understanding to them, you know, for them to be able to take time to read the books that they feel gravitated to read and learn and nourish themselves with information the way that they see fit to do so where there's all types of different people in the tribe and we can't just push everyone down the same funnel and think everyone's going to come out okay. And that's the, that's the thing you see, is that people will think that if we do this the same way that person did that, it's going to work out the same way. And guess what? It's not. It's really not. You see, there is an energy that that connects with you that is different from how it connects with another person. So for instance, if I want to choose to create more prosperity and more abundance in my life. For someone, they might feel that they have to work hard in order to do so, in order to procure certain opportunities, jobs, and positions or projects to bring that stream of income in for them to manifest prosperity. Whereas for me, all I have to do is play video games, bust out my action figures, use my remote control cars, dance around house singing Disney music, and literally have everyone come over for a dress up and have a tea party. And all of a sudden, money just starts flowing into my life. Because that is what moves me energetically to manifest finances. For someone else, it can be different. And the way you will find out is simply getting honest with yourself. Now, there's several ways you could choose to find out. You can choose to, one, write on a piece of paper. This is what brings money into my life. This is what I have to do to bring money into my life. That's an activity or something that, you know, you would do such as, you know, could be anything, right? And then without thinking, you just write it down, right? And you may hear swimming or you may hear um, singing, 
or you may hear uh, being in nature, or you may hear making love. You know, all of these things, there is different energies that are ignited within a human being that creates passageways for them to move into different levels of their of, of evolution and, and their destiny. And you would be surprised how many things people are doing that actually take away money or take away love or take away opportunity or block position and projects in their life because they're doing things that they think, well, that's what someone else did. You know, that's what someone else said that you should do. Like, you know, I know there's this guy. Gary V, who talks about, you know, you have to work hard, you have to work hard, you have to work hard and stuff like that. But you know what? Not everyone's supposed to work hard, you know, and, and I think it's great, but you know, working hard isn't the key to success. You know, that is the, that's the, that's a hustle mentality. The hustle mentality has consequences. You can make a lot of money and you can be very successful. I have seen people make a lot of money and be successful, but they have a hustle mentality and they are stressed out. They have high levels of cortisol in their body, high levels of anxiety, high levels of inflammation. They are creating all kinds of problems in, in, the, in the very near future for organ damage, organ failure, cancer. I mean, the list goes on. And so it's not just about throwing the hustle muscle down. You know, it's about ease and grace. Make it easy, baby. Make it easy. Just because the world and the matrix was set up to make everything look like it has to be hard and in order for you to actually achieve is that you have to take it on the hard path. That's all ego. That's lower ego. Lower ego. Get the understanding. Lower ego is the ego that is operating from fear, insecurity, lack, scarcity, and all energies that are all lower frequency energies. So if you are hustling and muscling, that's all lower ego. That means that you believe that you have to work hard. You have to pay the debt of hard work in order to achieve. That's lower ego. It comes from fear. You might as well just have someone wake up in the morning and put a knife to your throat and say, get out of bed and get to work. You see, because the lower ego is about putting a knife to your back. It's always about fear and stress and, 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 and telling you bad things about yourself to motivate you. You don't want to get in trouble, so you're going to go and do this thing. That is not a reason for me to move. You're not going to move me, not one inch with that type of energy. There was a time that I moved that way. There was a time that I was comfortable smacking myself in the face and smacking my hand and getting angry at myself and being mean to myself to motivate me into action because that's what I learned from my father. That's what I learned from my stepmom. My stepmom and my dad believe that you have to work hard and that my stepmom used to always say to me that if you don't, the world's going to kick you in the ass and beat you up. So you better get out there and you better put your best foot forward. That was her way of motivating me, that the world was going to destroy me and hurt me and that people were going to hurt me. So I had to get tough. I had to get strong. I need to wipe away my emotions and I need to go out there like an engine, like a freight train, just go out there and just steamroll over people. My father's business mentality was always, a, it wasn't a win-win business mentality. It was a takeover business mentality. It was the idea that you go in and you, and you, you take over, you demand respect. You demand respect. You put your energy out there and you, you let people know. My dad used to come home with high blood pressure from screaming at every single person on his job site for building the hotel or whatever project he was working on. 
you know, screaming at people, screaming and screaming and screaming. And he built the, you know, the, um, the observatory here in Los Angeles and was screaming at everyone all the time. He had moved to LA, got a house to finish that project and was screaming at everybody all the time. And people always would tell me when I would go to the construction sites where he was building either a hotel, some commercial space, whatever it was, they'd be like, oh, your father's tough. He screams at me. He put me in check. He cursed me out this morning. I said, he did? I said, and you enjoyed that and you were okay with that and that felt good to you? He said, yeah, because it kicked me in the butt and made me take action. Wow, that's that's what motivates. A knife to the throat motivates you into action. Okay, woo-wee, okay, that's great for you. Well, you have a great old day now. Not for me. When he used to do that to me as a kid, I would move eventually, but then I started digging my heels in. I started developing a stubbornness. I started getting really tight in my ability to defy him, to be defensive against this energy. Something did not feel right with things having to be hard. And even though I did those things, I began to do it to myself. I began to hammer myself and beat up on myself. And then one day, I asked myself, do I enjoy smacking my hand, punching myself, putting a knife to my throat to get me out of bed and take action in the world? No. I heard no. I heard my soul cry out and say, no, you're hurting us. And if you keep going this way, I'm going to leave the earth. I don't want to be here anymore. You're taking the joy out of why I chose to come here. You're taking the passion and the love away from why I chose to take a human form and bring my light from heaven to bring my love to the people, my love to nature, my love to myself and my experiences of being here on this planet where I can touch the soil, touch the trees, breathe the air, hug another person, have a great conversation, play, swim, dance, sing. You're taking away it all from me with this behavior. You make me get up in the morning and make me feel like I have to do something instead of choosing to do it because it's fun and playful. You tell me I have to go to this job that I don't like and put up with these people that I don't like this environment. The energy does not suit me. But you tell me I have to in order to pay bills, in order to have money, in order to eat, in order to survive. You don't even give me a chance to survive through love. You don't give me a chance to show you that it's not about surviving. It's about being. It's about thriving and and loving and enjoying and being in the state of balance and harmony and and, and operate from that place of paying bills and that place of, of living and that place from eating. And when I heard that from my being, I couldn't do it anymore. I remember that I had a a job at this place called East Texas Distributing Company. And what did we do? We worked in a warehouse where we would distribute Blockbuster videos to all the Blockbuster stores. And my job was to take all the boxes off the conveyor belt, put them into the computer, and then load them onto a truck by using this, um, this machine 
that would pick up these crates and load them onto the truck. And then I would go down all the aisles and check the inventory, pull the inventory off the shelf, give it to another department, and then go back to my station for my second shift again and work at the conveyor belt. And then on breaks, we would play basketball in, um, in the warehouse with the guys. And this was, this is what I was training for shamanism to do, to, to work in a warehouse. I remember my first job, I was working for Noah's Bagels. <laughs> oh, that was a very interesting job. I literally gave away bagels because I thought that I had no idea that when you work for a place that it was actually you work for them. I thought when you work for a place, you're a part of their tribe and their family. And so people would come in and say, oh, I'm so hungry. And I'm like, oh, let me make you a bagel. And I would make them a bagel. And then I would make extra bagels with hummus and tomatoes and stuff and pass it out to the homeless people in the area. I remember my boss, her name was Marlene. She was from France. And I was drinking the Yoohoo drinks a lot. And one day she said to me, who drank all the Yoohoo's? And I said, I did. She goes, well, aren't you going to pay for them? I said, why? It's a part of the business. She said, yes, but they don't belong to you. And I said, oh, they don't? What do you mean they don't belong to me? That's how naive I was. It was quite funny, actually. There was a big holiday boat party coming up and she fired me right before. And I said, wait, can you fire me after so I can go on the boat party? You see, I, I always thought like a kid, I didn't really understand that world. I didn't understand that because I was trained as a shaman. So my whole mindset was always based on, you know, different ways of thinking. And um, I got another job working at this place called The Body Shop, which was fun because I got to express to people how fun it was. I got to sing and, and I remember my boss came in and said, why do you keep singing when people are coming in? I said, because it makes them happy. And when they're happy, they want to shop and it makes them feel good. And he goes, but you can't sing. It's so unprofessional. You can't sing in the middle of the body shop in a mall having people coming in. I said, why? It was fun. I said, would you like to buy some grapefruit um, shampoo? Would you like to buy some apple body wash? And people loved it and they laughed and they had such a good time with me. But he didn't get it. Anyway, he told me to stop singing. So I was like, fine, stop. I stopped singing. I would do other things. But I would always sell amazing products to people. And people loved coming in. Some woman said to me one day, she goes, I come in here just to see you because you make me feel good. I said, thank you. She goes, you have such a spiritual nature. I said, yes, you know, I'm, I'm, I, was, um, I was born to be a shaman and I've been training in shamanism. But, you know, but I have to take a, a, a job on the side and, uh, because I want to understand this whole work thing. The, the reason why I took that job was because my father was a multimillionaire and my dad worked really, really hard. He worked so hard that he never even spent time with me and my sister. And you, most of my time as a child was spent with people that he hired to come to my piano recital or my baseball or my soccer game or anything that I or my sister engaged in that we thought was fun and playful. And literally, I remember going and being in the Cub Scouts and we had father and son bake a cake day and my dad actually had a cake made. And it was very embarrassing because the kids was like, you didn't make that cake with your dad. And of course I lied and said I did. And they're like, you're such a liar. You didn't make that cake with your dad. And they would bring their dad over and their dad would say, you didn't make that cake with your dad. Of course they were in a competitive mode. And I said, yes, I did. I never won because everyone knew the cake was well too done for, for a kid my age or my father to make a cake like that in that elaborate way. However, it was interesting. And I always, I always asked my father, dad, you know, 
why can't you spend time with me? Why can't you just go to the park with me and throw a couple balls with me? Why can't you just sit with me and talk to me about, you know, what it was like to be an apprentice to grandmother and shamanism? Why can't we just have these deep conversations? And he would always say, well, go talk to my secretary and set up an appointment and we, I can give you about 10 or five minutes of my time. I have to work. I'm leaving town. I'm heading to London. I'm heading to LA. I'm heading over here. I'm going there. I'm building a new hotel. It was always work, 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 work. And I was like, where's the love? Where's the love? And I, 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 at that point, I realized that work was the focus. And why? We had everything we needed. We had four Mercedes. We had a huge house. We had a summer house. We had all of these things. And my dad was a multimillionaire and still complaining about the electricity, saying money doesn't grow on trees. Who says that? Of course money doesn't grow on trees. Leaves do. I didn't really understand that. And I thought it was funny that he would say these things like, turn off the light, you're burning electricity. You know, turn off the heater if you're not using it. Do you think money grows on trees? I'm like, no, dad, money doesn't grow on trees. I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. Leaves grow on trees. And the thing is, when I would go into his office or sneak into his office and I would look into his register book and see that he was a multimillionaire, I said, why is he so concerned about the electricity and so forth? But what I realized was that my father, no matter how much money he did and how hard he worked, he had a knife to his throat. He had a knife to his back. He believed that one day, if he didn't stay busy and keep himself busy, that he was going to lose it all, that it was all going to go away. Because he felt that the only way to live life was to make it hard. Now, I understand my dad was born in 1923. His first way of moving through life was through a horse. That's why I love horses so much. My father loved, you know, riding horses when he was young. And then, of course, the car finally was developed and you had to wind it up and he would wind it up and he would tell me about it, how it would bounce up and down and go down the street and then it would stop. And then you had to wind it up again and get it cranking and you'd go down the street. And every time you'd see someone, you'd, you'd take your hat off and say, good day to you. And, you know, he grew up in that time. He grew up in a time where, you know, being black in America, you know, coming from an African um, family that came from um, from Africa and a, and a, and a grandmother and a family heritage of shamanism where they would lay people on tables and my grandmother would spit on her hand and rub herbs in her hand, smack people's bodies and say words and they would cough up and throw in bucket, throw up in buckets and shake and everything. And he was, you know, chopping firewood and doing everything he could to keep the water hot and all this stuff and mixing herbs for her and doing all these things while his friends were going to walk miles and miles and miles to school while wrapping their books with, with you know, with twine and going to school, walking through, you know, trees and so forth. Like if you were looking at the movie, The Color Purple. That was my father's life. And to have all of that and then to come into having a son who's the next of line when he just wanted to have a normal life and then he believed everything had to be hard instead of operating from a place of ease, making it easy, he believed it had to be hard. When I recognized that people live their life by beating up on themselves, hurting themselves, calling themselves names, ridiculing themselves, and meeting up to these measures from their family members and from their friends of what it means to be an operating human being in the tribe, in life. That you have to make things hard and not fun. You do it with stress, with not joy. And then you pass that on to your children. Children should be playing long, much more longer than when they actually go into that system. 
into that institution. Parents feel like, oh, I, you know, my kids in, I mean, PK, my kids in, you know, in school. Yay for you. Yay, your kids in school. You have more time for yourself. Well, you wouldn't feel that way if you were making life more fun and playful and joyful. You would invite your kid to spend more time having fun and playing with you. You know, or why would you even have a kid if you're just going to ship them off to an institution that you think they're actually playing in when in actually they're just learning how to follow rules so they can become robots and lose the very core of who they are, the very beautiful essence of the divinity inside of them, that wonderful place inside of them. You know, that's what made me so strong as the Oracle of Delphi was the fact that I didn't get invaded with all of that at that time in the Temple of Apollo. I was given no instruction only but what Spirit gave to me, much like this life. I was given instruction all the way up until seventh grade, but I never really paid attention to it. I couldn't tell you anything I really learned in school. I think the most things that I learned was when I was on the playground with my friends or, you know, in the tan bark. I remember so clearly being on the tan bark and Foster City School, a school that was even built up because the town that I lived in was a, a town that was built on water, built with landfill. And so they had these little trailers that you would go to class in, and then they built this park out of wood with tan bark and tire swings and, you know, all of that. And I just spent time, you know, being with my friends and playing and you know, seeing spirits and all these things and sharing with my friends the things that I saw. And they'd be like, really? How can I see that? I want to see that. And I'd tell them how to do it. And we'd have our little secret society, you know. And then I remember being in junior high. I remember having this friend named Javier, who actually were friends to this day. He's an amazing man. And uh, we, had to, we used to make these ninja boxes, learn how to, you know, make darts where we can blow them through little paper. And we make, you know, uh, flying stars and we, you know, we were, we had a ninja box and we made all these ninja things. I was very much into ninja. I was very much into all of the Kung Fu and the karate and, you know, all the ninjas and all the old Bruce Lee films. And, you know, I was very much into all of that stuff and a very sci-fi guy too, as well. I was the, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and playing video games. I remember the first video game that I had was this machine that you had to actually type in the codes in order to play a game. And then it went from that to, I remember there was like ColecoVision. That was really fun. And then all these other games. And, you know, and I played with both toys. I played with both the toys that were given to boys. And also I would sneak in my sister's room and play with her dolls and her little kitchenary set and understand how come she has a kitchenary set and it's all pink and everything's pink in my room. Everything is all like guns and army things and so forth. What are they programming me with here? I was always that kid asking my dad, like, how come her toys have like, you know, where you can have like a thing where you can make a little bread and, you know, there's like a Snoopy ice cone, you know, ice cone maker. And, you know, you can go in and, you know, take care of a baby and change its diaper. And, you know, it would go pee pee and all these different things. And then my room, it was all like army toys and guns and knives and, you know, things that were like very war based. I found it to be very disturbing as a child. My father would say, you can't play in her room. Stop playing with those dolls. It makes you a sissy. Don't play with those dolls. The men don't play with those dolls. You have your trucks. You have your guns. You have your cowboy hat. You have all your things in your room. Go play with your toys. But it was very strange. It was like conditioning, some weird conditioning going on. But the thing about making it hard, the thing about it being hard is an illusion. The idea that we make things hard to give us 
an ego gratification or justification that we're actually doing something and then we reward ourselves, do not we understand that all things that come to us in the universe, such as money or a new car or house or you know anything that comes our direction is coming in from the, from the energy that we believe we can have based on who we are and what we feel we deserve. That means that there's this abundant energy that is there, like this amazing, amazing rain that is sitting in the energy fields with all of these amazing gifts and powerful things that will take your life for the most amazing adventure. However, God can't let it rain only but a little bit. Not like a huge rainstorm of all these amazing gifts on you. Just imagine you standing there and all these amazing things. It's so overwhelming with goodness and delight to just have everything falling. It's like all these presents falling on you, all the things you've ever dreamed of just falling on you. But the reason why it doesn't and the reason why it may be just a drip or maybe four drips or there could be a downfall is because of what you yourself believe you can have based on what you believe you did or have done in the world. How good you may have a belief system that you should only be rewarded when you have shown a certain level of being a good person. Well, if that's what you believe, then that's what God's going to create because God doesn't play in the sphere, again, as Santa Claus, unless you want God to play as Santa Claus. God takes on the shape, the form, and the energy of what you believe. That means if you believe that God punishes you, you're going to get punished because God is a creator and it creates whatever you believe it can create. And that's the thing. And so when people learn that God is inside of you waiting on instruction from you, that if you want things hard, then God will give it to you hard because you're the child of God. And if you've ever heard this biblical saying, which I love because I love all these beautiful sayings from all cultures and all realities and all religions and all philosophies and all of it, I take a little piece of everything that's beautiful and delightful and I leave all the rest of the hell and damnation and suffering and pain and bad and you're evil and be scared of God and all this kind of stuff and whatever the heck people are saying in Hinduism, if you don't do this certain ritual, then you're going to get bad luck for a year and all that stuff. And if you don't chant your gohans in and all these things, and that's just causing added stress and a bunch of unpleasantries that you really don't need. I just throw all that stuff aside. I, just, it's, I call it my junk nonsense bullshit closet. Yeah, it's my junk nonsense bullshit closet. I just throw everything in there that that's a, that doesn't vibrate with love. If it doesn't vibrate with love, it goes into the bullshit closet. It's immediate. It literally has a, a rock and roll sign that says bullshit junk closet. And it's just a place that I just throw all that stuff in. And then I'll pull some things out to bring knowledge and wisdom about, but then I throw it back in the closet. And I just close it. And I just know that that closet has data and information that it is destructive and demonstrative to the human spirit. And I just keep it right in that closet. I don't even like, I only open that closet for knowledge and wisdom about why people are doing the things that they do. And then I go, oh yeah, that's why they do that. If I remember that's in that closet over there, that closet, that one right there with the two knobs that opens up from right to left with both hands and inside it's just a huge vortex like a huge black hole of just nonsense in there and I can just go in there and pick and choose what I want to remember 
why people make those choices and just put it back in there. Because the only thing that is going to go up in my brain and work through my modus operandi and the way that I'm going to function in my consciousness, because in my consciousness, it's a dance floor of excitement and play and fun and joy and everyone's dancing and wearing their favorite costumes and laughing and associating and so forth. And the information that goes on in my consciousness same as the information that goes on in your consciousness needs to be data that is operating in the field of love. That's right. So that is what, there are beautiful gems in Christianity and there's beautiful gems in the Quran, there's beautiful gems in Buddhism and Tibetanism, there's beautiful gems in Baha'i, there's beautiful gems in all beliefs and all things. Even atheism has beautiful gems. Then there's things in there, it just goes in that closet. That's where it belongs. So there's this saying that says, and biblical, which is asking you shall receive, right? And asking you shall receive is truthful. That's why it's in my closet. That's why it's not in the closet and it's in my, in my consciousness because ask and you shall receive, knock and the door shall open is real, everyone. Literally, when I heard that, I went into nature and sat down and said, what does that mean, spirit? And spirit said, God does not base its creation on your prayers or on your behaviors of good and bad unless you believe that's the case. God takes on whatever you say. So if I say that God gives me love all the time and gifts are always showing up for me all the time, projects, opportunities are showing up for me all the time, and it's easy and it's about ease, and when I do anything, it's about ease and grace, then that becomes my reality. It may not be a reality for someone else because they're still telling God that they have to be punished and they have to be rewarded when they do good. So God keeps a meter of how much good they do and then how much they don't do, they get punished for or how many bad things they do that they think is bad and they get punished for. And then their God is waiting to say, hey, you know, there is a better way. All you have to do is see me differently. See creation differently, right? See creation differently. That's really what it comes down to. God takes on the shape and form of what you see. Now, there's a really cool movie that I would suggest you tribal members all go and find and watch that gives you an understanding of what I'm talking about and what God really is. It's called The Sphere. It's an old film. It's called The Sphere. It's played with Sharon Stone. And it's about this these group of explorers that go underwater and live underwater in this underwater base. And they come across this orb. And they're like, what is this orb? And they bring it into their ship. And it's this big, big orb. And one of the one of the crew members decides to walk, go into it, you know, because they're curious, which is something I would do. So I'd probably be that one who goes into it first. And uh, they walk into it and they just walk right through it. It's like nothing. They're like, oh, it's just like, just kind of liquid. You just kind of walk right through it. It was very interesting for him. But then what happens is all these things start happening with the ship and some, you know, people start getting hurt and all this kind of stuff. And what they find out is that then other crew members decide to walk through it because he walked through it. He made it through. So let us do it too. So they all end up doing it. And then more things start happening. And what Sharon Stone figures out, so I'm giving you the the spoiler, but she still should go see it because it's really quite interesting, is that the orb itself is basically connecting to consciousness. It is the understanding of creation. It is literally anything they fear becomes manifest and anything that they don't fear becomes manifest. And so whatever they think, it's being created. So at one point there was this guy and he saw a squid and he got scared. He's like, oh my God, what if the squids attack me? And all of a sudden the squids start attacking him. Go figure. That's happening every single day on planet earth. It's nothing. It's like, wow. When I saw that, I was like, oh, that's what they're talking about. There it is right there. That's how it operates. And trust me, 
it's a, it's for me, it's a mastery and I don't have my PhD in it yet. So don't think like I'm just this masterful creator who's just constantly creating in that way. What I'm doing is being more mindful and creating more sets of mindfulness in myself to be aware of exactly what I'm asking God to create in the way that I speak, in the way that I operate, in the way that I react, and the way that I think, and the way that I feel. Mm-hmm. Which means what? Which means that any reality that I see, I don't buy into because I know that's what I did in the past in my thinking, in my feeling, in my reacting, and so forth. So what I, I, what I, what I do is I know that in the next couple hours, the next couple minutes, I choose to make things easy. So I go into a state of ease and I say, I can make it easy. This can be easy. So if anything is really challenging, like I've heard this one saying, saying like the path to God is with thorns. No, it's not. But if you want it to be, go ahead and get cut up in those thorns. Those are your choice. However, the path of God could be just a gentle walk on the park or a gentle walk on the beach. I mean, there are people who literally will go to the mountains, okay? The snowy cliff mountains and lose a finger from frostbite just so they can sit on a dinner table and tell their wonderful story. Their story sounds so much greater than the person who said, all I did today was sit on the beach and meditate. Everyone's like, oh, that's nice. Let's hear about your story up in the mountain where you lost your finger. We are so much like enthused and so entertained by the drama of a situation because we're told, oh, it has to be so hard. So if it's hard, you must be someone great. It's like we give the reward for the one who suffered the most. That's why right now on the planet, you've got everyone going victim empowerment. The one who suffered the most gets to raise their hand and be heard. Anyone in the class suffered the most? Anyone went through the most pain, has suffered the most, lost the most, have gone through most of the pain? Please raise your hand and come to the front because you're going to get most of the attention here. That's exactly how it's been playing out right now on planet Earth. So everyone right now is just telling all their horrible stories about their miserable lives they all went through and how hard it is and how difficult it is. And some people are just creating it, drama in their life for the sake of drama so they can have more attention. Literally. Because the idea of that on our planet is greatly rewarded. I mean, look at what we do. We watch movies and films that have more drama. You go to the movie theaters. There used to be movies that were actually fun and playful and, and just made you feel good and feel inspiration and everything when you walk out. Now you go, you got like Saw 1, Saw 2. You've got this movie, this scary thing, this thing, that thing. It's almost like we don't have enough fear and entertainment in ourselves to be aroused anymore. You know, literally, it's like if you're going to go make love to your lover, you might as well smack them in the face and throw them across the wall and put a knife to their throat and then tell them to make love to you before you can actually really get aroused. I mean, it's that scary. And it doesn't have to be that way. We're making it that way because we are saying that the person who suffers the most, the person who goes through the most trenches, the one who works so hard to get there, the one who's hammering themselves, like Gary V says, hammer yourself, work hard. What are you doing? Put your muscle to the hustle. Then you're just a loser if you're not. Well, I have a newsflash for everyone. You're not a loser if you're enjoying what you do, loving what you do, and making it easy. As you get out of the bed because you scream on the top of your lungs, I love my life. And you jump out of the bed because you're like, you love to do what you do because you love being around people like me. When people come, oh my God, my assistant is coming in the morning, Sam, who's the head of operations and my assistant, he handles everything. He comes in my room. He brings me my, 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 my morning um, information. He says to me, okay, it's time for you to get up, start your day, do what you have to do, do your meditation. You know, here you go. Here's your bulletproof 
waterproof stuff, all your stuff you need, your all your wonderful vitamins and everything and all your tinctures and everything. And you know, the client will be here in an hour. So you've got an hour and I will be downstairs to prep you for what needs to go on for today. And, and then Alex, my niece, who's my manager, will come down. And she'll say the same thing and she'll be like, okay, here's the things, here's the meetings we have today, here's the things we're going to talk about, here are the fine points, da 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 But it's all fun. It's all fun to me. Then the person comes in and I'm like, yay, a new person. I get to show them how powerful they are. It's exciting. I feel like I'm like in a John Travolta dancing like a Saturday Night Live. I'm like dancing and, you know, feeling it. I'm like, whoop, whoop. It's so much fun. And then I go in and I get to do all the shamanic, fun, magic, crazy, amazingness. And then like they're shaking, they're crying, they're, they're laughing, they're going into different dimensions, they're talking to their ancestors, they're, like, they're playing with electricity in their hands, you know, all of these great things. They're throwing up in a bucket, all of it. It's all beautiful. It's all wonderful. It's all blessed. It's all bliss. And then what do I get to do? I get to go and eat my one meal. I get to meditate. I get to go have a meeting about this thing, about this project. Everything just flows easy, 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 easy. Why? Because I'm choosing it to be that way. And so therefore God is creating it to be that way. I'm not putting a knife to my throat to get me out of bed in the morning. I'm not putting in the knife. And if I feel Remember I said, I don't have a PhD yet. If I feel that there's a knife that pops out somewhere, a knife comes, some kind of force comes against me that says, you have to do this or else. If I feel an energy of you have to do this or else, I stop. I stop. I I reassess. I ask myself, what belief am I holding on to that this has to be hard and difficult? Where is this coming from? And then I cut out the middleman and get rid of the whys and the wheres and so forth. And I say, this is happening because, and I fill in the blank for myself. Because I will be completely not okay with being on planet Earth if it has to be hard and difficult. People commit suicide, go into depression. People drink and pour huge amounts of spirits into their body, meaning alcohol, drugs, which is medicine, because they are making it hard. Because they wake up with a knife every single day. Because they live in the lower ego of scarcity and fear and that there's not enough and that something bad is going to happen. My father lived that every single day. He could have had more time spending time with me, learning from me, sharing with me. You know, in the times that I actually got those meetings from his secretary and got to learn about what it was like for him to be with grandmother and to learn the shamanic things that I'm learning and to share with me some of the things that he learned and so forth, I had to set meetings and appointments to be with him. I remember the times when my sister was like, forget it, I'm not even going to deal with that meeting and whatever, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And he'll just have to deal with it as it, as it shows up. Because after a point, you know, he made his idea of work, which is a word that I just, just cringes me in every way. Work, such a slave word. Work. I'm going to work. I have to work to pay the bills. I have to work on this relationship. I have to work on my spiritual evolution. I have to work. The word woo and Kirk is like 
two energies that just make you feel like it's just like a, a knife chopping off your head. Listen to how it sounds. The wu and k. The wu and k is your head going into a guillotine and chopping off your head. Work. Done. My head's chopped. Not pleasant. Doesn't feel good. I don't feel my cells celebrating. It feels like inside, like a clamp is clamping me, like something is holding me. Work. You got to work for love. You got to work to pay your bills. You got to work to be successful. If you're not working, you're wasting time. No. Mm-mm. In fact, actually, there's an, old, there's an old saying in the Bible that I loved where Jesus was laying, with, uh, was laying down with Mary and they were just laying. And the other Mary was in the kitchen toiling and wanting to get the food and get everything ready. And Mary came out and said, aren't you going to help me? And Jesus said to her, she's doing more here than you're doing in there. And there's a beautiful saying about that. And, you know, there's an old understanding of in, in, in Buddhism where is, you know, you can walk and do and toil and do all of these things. But the person who's sitting and just meditating can be doing 20 times more than what you're doing because the energy in the spirit world moves faster than the energy in the physical world. Mm -hmm. I can actually connect with way more people through meditation and being present in my energy and with God than I could if going out there right now and knocking on every person's door or calling every person I have in my phone book I can make more connection with more people just by sitting still and sending out a blast of telepathic information into the minds of people that I haven't even yet met. But all of a sudden, we'll get a feeling of my energy. A magnetization of energy field will move into them to start leading them towards me. All done by spirit. Oh, and not only this, that, but spirit literally can whisper into someone's ear and say, say yes. I mean, that's how I met Dave Asprey. And that's how we became brothers and became friends and found each other again in this life. Was that the woman who is amazing, Selena, who runs all of his operations, had a spirit speak in her head and say to connect with me where she usually doesn't. She takes people's information and goes, okay, everyone wants to meet with him. And she puts it into a thing because she has so much on her plate. She heard a spirit. She actually said, your ancestors are so strong. They spoke in my head and said, respond to the shaman. That is how you move energy is when you get into that place inside of you with the creator inside of you. What is that little boy or that little girl? inside of you that is playing out as a little boy and little girl asking for you to love it. And that means you loving God and being in that space and saying, okay, God's like, okay, so what's on your mind? What are you thinking? What are you, what are you, what would you like me to create for you? How do you see me? Do you see me as a loving God? Do you see me as a God that is nurturing and kind and loving and supportive to everything that you're about? Do you see me as a God that takes action with you immediately? Do you see me as a God that can heal anything that you create out of alignment? Do you see me as a God that just loves you unconditionally and is playful and fun and likes to dance with you and have fun with you and play with you? Or do you see me as a God that you have to pray to because I have an ego and if I don't get your prayers that you should be punished or some things don't happen for you because you didn't pray enough and reach my quota? Or do you see me as a God 
that rewards you when you're good and punishes you when you're bad or puts everything on hold um, because you um, haven't done the certain things you need to do in life? Or do you see me as a God that makes things hard for you to teach you lessons so that you can learn by having painful things happen to you? Is that the kind of God that you see? How do you see me? Because the way you see me is the way I have to behave with you. You see, the way you see me is the way I have to behave with you. If you see me as a God that has to throw obstacles in your path to get you to become wiser and sharper and more aware, then that is what I will do. Not because I don't love you, but because I love you. If you see me as a God that has to strike you down in order to get you to wake up, and that's the kind of God you see me as, then that I will be that God and I will strike you down. Not because I don't love you, but because I do. Because love is taking action in your life as you see it to be. That's what, that's what people don't understand about God is that God is not this being that is operating against, away from our consciousness. God is the consciousness operating with us in our behavior and the way we see and think about, about things. God moves consciousness to shape in that direction. And the angels and the spirits do the same. And that's why darkness exists, because someone at one time wanted to know what would be the opposite of light, and ah, darkness was created. The void was opened, the black hole was created, and then it was created and it sucked that soul right in. And then they became consumed with the darkness and became a part of the darkness. The consciousness of darkness began to grow. And then every single person who wanted to deny the light, boom, went into that darkness as well. And then it grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. So big that it's moved to all kinds of galaxies and dimensions and different planets and galaxies and dimensions have been polluted by that energy because it's been sucking all these souls in. And that's why we came to earth to go into that darkness. But we can't go into that darkness if we don't know how to get in. That's why we let the darkness into our own beings so we can understand it. And then we shine our light into it and transform it. And we can, we can literally draw a door and open up the dark realm and walk right in and start grabbing our brothers and sisters and leading them out of that door and bringing them home to heaven. That's how easy it is. But of course, we make it hard. We make, we're afraid. We act against darkness. We're afraid of darkness. Oh, I'm so scared of darkness. Oh my God. They're scared of the dark and things and I can't see and things that could touch me and all. It scares me. It chills up my spine. Those chills are your energy frequencies evolving. It's not fear that's making those chills. It's the fact that you're opening up doorways of consciousness. And yes, you have fear, but you're still moving energy. And so that's why you get those chills at the back of your neck. Let's understand it for what it is. But the thing is, again, people go, I'm afraid of the dark. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. They even have the nerve to say our brothers and sisters are demons in that realm. Okay, whatever you want to paint them with. They'll put on costumes for you if that's what it means, because whatever, that's what you want to see. That's what you get. If you want to see monsters, woo, then you're going to get monsters. You know. So the thing is, if we get into understanding what rightful action is with God, which is really meaning like being a co-creator with God and really understanding what co-creation really is and how we actually operate is to really simplify our lives and make things easy. You don't have to live in a huge mansion to be happy just because everyone else is living in a huge mansion to be happy. You may not even want that huge mansion. You might actually find happiness living in a home where people can all see each other and be with each other. 
You know, I have a friend, she's an actress and I love her so much and she's amazing. And one thing I thought was really interesting, being a big Hollywood actress, I thought she was going to have this like gargantuan house when I first became friends with her. And I remember going to her house and be like, oh my God, I'm very surprised. And she goes, what are you surprised about? I said, well, you know, I've been to other people's homes who are also big, you know, actors and actresses and they have this huge gargantuan house with like, you know, all kinds of people there and so forth. And she's like, no, mm -mm." she's like, you know, really basically what it came down to for me, my love, she said was, I wanted to be able to be anywhere in my house and I could see my children. I thought, oh my God, my heart just went, just, just fluttered. She said, yes, I wanted to be able to see my children. I wanted to be able to just look at and see my son, see my daughter and just be able to see them and know that if I'm in my bedroom, I can see them. If I'm in the living room, I can see them. If I'm in the garden, I can see them. If I'm in the kitchen, I can see them. I know they're nearby. I don't want a home where I have to move through the house and scream across the house to my kids. They can hear me. We're so close together. I thought that was really beautiful. She even designed the house in a way where she can look through the windows and see different aspects of the house without having to leave certain areas to go and see them. It's very open in space. And I thought that was a beautiful thing. That's what works for her. And then I have other friends who have these huge gargantuan houses, so big, you would have to like go on a, a goose chase. I wear Waldo. One time I went to a party at one of my friends' houses, a big Hollywood actor. Their house was so huge, had all these different levels and everything that I literally felt like I was in, 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 I don't know if you ever had the book, Where's Waldo, where you have to go find Waldo, you know, like, you know, it was like, I felt like I was like on one of those, um, those hunts, you know, you know, those like, where you have to go and find someone like hide and seek. Literally, I remember every time I would leave his house, I would have to go say goodbye to him. It was like, I would be looking for him. Like, where is he? Where is he at? Where is he at? And I was like, oh, he went upstairs. Oh, no, he's by the pool. Oh, he's by the tennis court. Oh, he's over here. Oh, he's over there. I was just like, okay, forget it. I just stopped looking for people. When I go to people's homes now, I just don't look for them anymore. I just leave. And some people would get upset and be like, why are you leaving? I'm, I'm leaving because it's time for me to go. Do I have to say goodbye? I'm going to see you like in a week. It's like not a big deal. We don't need all those pleasantries, even though people need to feel like, oh, thank you for tonight. It was so wonderful. I can send that to you in an email or a text. So the thing is, is that, you know, not everyone has to have a big house or this, you know, whatever. You know, for me, I know myself, I've had a big house before in the Hollywood Hills. And let me tell you, I had a pool and it was like this big pool and I never went in it. <laughs> the whole five years that I lived in that house, I never went into the pool. Then I had this other house in Hollywood Hills that used to belong to um, Johnny Knoxville. And I got that, I procured that house as well. And we had, uh, it was like things four levels and same thing. I never went in. I turned my house into like a place for spiritual, you know, um, revolutionary and minds and people would come and eat and do fun things and would have such a great time. And, you know, people would always be like, oh my God, I love your infinity pool and your fire pit and your beautiful Alice in Wonderland garden. And I never even went in it. I never even been in the pool. I spent most of my time in my meditation room, meditating on pillows and gonging and being and looking at the view of Capitol Records in front of the in front of the window and so forth. And then I would be in my other room with my, you know, playing video games with all my toys and my building blocks and my coloring crayons and all that stuff. And I spent more time in there than I did in the pool. And then when I did go in the pool, I won in the pool. But the interesting thing was I learned a lot about myself and I realized that that's not actually what motivates my energy. And so I realized that it's not about having this huge, 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 huge house. It's about having a place where people can come and stay 
where I can spend time with them and commune with them. So I realized I'm a person who likes community. I'm a communer. I want to be around people. So whenever I have my home, it's going to be set up in a very community type way where friends can come and stay and have their rooms. And I have my room and we can have our community areas of art, our community areas of play, our community areas of building our mind and our intuition and our in, 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 in creating new innovations. And then we have a garden where we sit outside where there's plants and a beautiful waterfall and it would be like a pool but the pool will have like waterfalls and plants around and you'll be like you're in the jungle then I'll go in there because then I can just let the water fall on me and then I can swim a little bit and stuff but I don't just want to be in a pool where it's just flat and it's just a pool it's just boring to me but for some people that actually works and so you see how I said that for some people that actually works because we're all amazingly different aspects different breaths of God created into form from sand and earth and breathed into with spirit. And each of us have different ways of seeing things, feeling things, and experiencing things. And if you believe that you have to work hard, work, cut your head off, hard, slavery, instead of love. So instead of I'm going to work, I'm going to love, right? I'm going to love. I'm working on this issue in my life. I'm loving on this issue. I'll work on that. I'll love on that. Hear the difference. I'm working on this relationship. I'm loving on this relationship. You say, oh, I work really hard. I love very easy. Mm. People say, it's, you know, it's, it's easier said than done. I said, it's easy said, easy done. It's like God makes everything so hard for me. But those are good things because I get lessons from them. I say, oh no, God makes everything easy for me and I get amazing lessons from the easing grace of my life. Mm. I went to India and I drank the Ganges and I had parasites in my body for six months, but through throwing up and shitting on myself, I had this revelation. I saw Durga and Kali and they were ripping me apart and it came to something new and it was so painful and so, and so much pain I went through that it gave me insight. Mm. I took a shower this morning and, and put some amazing eucalyptus and mint into the, into the bath, into the waters. And the, and the water was coming down on me while I was in my bath. And this rain was coming down from the shower. And I started having these lights and information coming into my mind. And I, I have this whole new enlightenment of life and understanding of how to bring more love and ease into people's life. And it felt so good. Mm. I feel so amazed how wonderful life is. I work really hard to make life work for me. Mm, okay. Yeah. I get out of bed in the morning and I put the hustle to the muscle. I kick my ass into gear. I get out of bed in the morning and scream, I love my life. I turn on some music and dance around the room. And I, I do chicken dances. I dance. I have a little drum in my room. I play my drum. I ring my bell. I hit my gong. I take my ormus. I, I move around the room. I take all of the beautiful things and put them into my body. I take my uvita. I put it into my body. I drink my wonderful water. I, 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 I sing out loud if I want to. I laugh. I go into my room. I can paint and so forth. And you know, I start my day with ease and everything feels so good. I go meditate. I stand outside in the sun and let myself meditate and feel good. Mm. 
when I motivate myself, I hammer myself. I get on myself. I tell myself, if you're not doing something, then you're doing nothing at all. I put my nose to the grindstone. I make sure I work really, really hard so that I can make really good money and live a really good life. When I motivate myself, I tell myself how much I love myself and how wonderful it is to do the things that I love to do. How excited I am that I get to do and I get so excited like a kid going to Disneyland for the first time in their life or their first day that they get to go and have fun with something that they know they love doing. I get so excited. I build so much passion inside of myself about the fact that I get to do something, create something and love on something that I get so excited that it gets me out there, get to meet people and I make things happen because my energy is vibrant and and it's, it's moving, it's growing, it's dancing in the hearts of people. When people meet me, they go, wow, I feel so energized. I feel so lit by you, Shaman Dirk. I feel so wonderfully exuberant and powerful around your energy. I feel like I can do anything. And I send those waves through my body. I'm like an ocean splashing into people all day long with love vibes all day long. And I feel so good. And all these amazing things are always showing up. TV show offers and someone's writing an article and putting me on a podcast. I'm speaking in front of thousands of people, having people come to my house for tea and sharing with them my wonderful teas that I have and my wonderful drinks, my wonderful mushroom drinks from Four Sigmatic. And I'm sharing with them and talking about them, getting excited about the sponsors who are sponsoring the, our share and, 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 and sharing about their beautiful things they're creating in the world and having people come on the share and share their knowledge and wisdom with the tribe. It feels so good. And I'm lit and I'm on the lit train and I'm riding that train through the universe into all the different dimensions of love. And I just transfer all that energy into my body while my spirit is sitting on the lit train. I'm transferring all that energy into my body and I'm shaking and I'm dancing and I can hear all the tribal drums from all the tribes on the earth saying, go shaman, go shaman, go shaman, love, 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 love. And I can feel my energy and it's moving and it's moving and it's grooving. And I can see all the women dancing with their hips and dancing and moving their hands and the sky and shaking rattles and, and having a ceremony. I see people, I feel elders, I can feel the, the ancestors standing around and dancing and celebrating and laughing and looking at me and all the tribal members and saying, yes, 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 giving us energy, yes, yes. And all the blocks and all the resistance and all the scarcity and all the fear and all the hurt and all the pain and all the illness and all the sickness and all the things that have caused calamity into the lives of people, it just gets moved out. It just goes out, it disappears, it evaporates, it turns into little butterflies and beautiful stars, and it just goes into the water and everything turns beautiful, and we're just laughing and having fun. We are lit. We're throwing lit hammers down and shaking the earth and creating earthquakes of litness, and people are shaking and turning into them true selves and waking up out of the nightmare of work and hardness and all of that, and they're stepping into ease and grace, 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 ease and grace. Grace, ease and grace, ease and grace, ease and grace, ease and grace with God, with creation, ease and grace where they truly begin to hold their heart, their mind, their emotions their spirit in ease and grace and they be the bridge of heaven on earth. Heaven 
is a place of ease and illuminating grace. And you can choose heaven in your life every day by making it easy. Breathe. Make it easy. Make it easier in your life. Ease and grace, my darlings. Ease and grace. Make it easy. Make it easier than that. Give yourself a loving engagement of choosing for this whole entire month in the illumination of engagement of being a being of ease and grace. Every time something shows up that seems hard or challenging or work, turn it to love. Say, I can, how can I choose to make this easy? And then say, I make this easy. I take the easy road to my success, to healing, to relationships, to innovation, to evolution, to love with God. Ease and grace, tribal members, ease and grace. I assure you, with all of my being that I am, that your life and the lives of those around you, when you choose to remove the hustle and the muscle and bring the ease and grace and pace to your life, everything that you've ever, ever wanted will be there. Right there. And we on earth will become less entertained by struggle and more embraced and engaged by grace. I love you so much. I'm so happy that you joined us in today's share. I love you and I love you and I love you and I love you and I love you. And all the ancestors are playing the drums and ringing the bells and dancing and celebrating you every day to fully step into that place of ease and grace. So listen to this share as many times as it takes for you to fully say, I accept ease and grace in my life from this day forth, and that's it. And anything that doesn't show up is ease and grace. I'm going to put into the closet of nonsense because that is really what it's about. And it doesn't matter if you're Christian or if you're Muslim or if you're Buddhist. It doesn't matter whatever you, however you claim yourself to be in your spiritual practice. If it's not easy and it's not love, it needs to go in that closet. I ask you to bring ease and grace into the lives of those you love around you. Share with them ancient wisdom today. Get them on the ATW train of love. Just share it with them. Say, you know, 
I think it's time for some ease and grace in your life. I want to share with you a podcast that was created with love for the sake of love. Give it a whirl, a twirl, a dance. And if you don't like it, that's okay. However, if you love me, like I know you do, then you will heed my advice to go and listen to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast created for love, for the sake of love. I love you. You get a chance. I'm going to give you some ideas of things that are coming up. Please check out, if you're not following me on Instagram, follow me on Instagram at Shaman Durek. Why? Because I do a lot of IG lives that give you a lot more tools and a lot more engagement. And I answer questions and do talks and bring you on so that you can really express and share. And not only that, but I give, I create posts to illuminate you. Everything that I do on Instagram is about lifting and shifting you. So I know a lot of you who are listening to the share, you know, even if you don't have an account, make one so that you can get a part of the tribe on Instagram. Also, if you're not on my newsletter, you're not getting the knowledge of the teachings and trainings that I'm offering you to put more power in your hands, go to shamanduric.com, sign up on my newsletter to get that information. Get into you every single day. Make you the most important thing with love and grace. And I assure you that your life will change for the better in ways you couldn't even possibly imagine that will make itself known to you. Because that is what God creation chooses to love on you and is waiting for you to say, yes, I accept it, I receive it, and I'm ready. Are you ready to let the rivers of love wash over you? I know you are. Until next time, I'll see you soon. I love you. Always remember that. Bye.